Welcome, welcome, welcome to TikToking. I am your host, Kevin Hughes, and this week I have a very special friend on the show. She goes by the name of Hannah Sparrow. In this episode, we really go deep into what she does for her career and what she does to help children in need, and it's just really, really fascinating and a lot of fun. So I know you guys are going to love this, and it was just such a joy having her on, and Without further ado, here's Hannah Sparrow this week on TikToking with me, Kevin Hughes. Enjoy. TikToking, TikToking, where creators come to play. TikToking, a TikToking, find out what they have to say. TikToking, a TikToking, fascinating interview. TikTokin, a TikTokin, TikTokin with Kevin Hughes. Ladies and gentlemen, Hannah Sparrow. Hey, Hannah, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm great. We've known each other for a while now, and I'm so glad we finally got to do this. Uh, We actually met through a mutual friend, and... uh, have done security together widely enough and and actually we met you before that uh or i'm sorry i spoke with you before that it was um our our mutual friend had actually called me and put us on a three-way phone call and i had me discuss with you about podcasting because you have a podcast yourself Yes, that was the weirdest call. I'm like on a call, and then I didn't know you guys were like really good friends. I thought you were like a business contact or something. And I'm like, shoot, it's like the middle of a Sunday afternoon, and we get on this call with this person I don't know. And then I'm like talking with you, and I'm like, well, I'm not a famous person on TikTok, so I don't know if I should be on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, wait, I haven't, I'm really starting my TikTok. I don't know what it's going to look like. So let's just wait. But okay, here's this stranger. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and as I got talking to you more and more, I really found it interesting what you do for a living, and and we'll get there in just a second. But first off, you're in Colorado now, just like I am. It's a bummer we're not doing this in person, but you are in Colorado. (laughs) Um, So where are you you originally from? Oh, usually I say lots of places because it's a story. Okay. (laughs) I was born in South Carolina, though, but I've lived in Canada and then Africa and then South Carolina again and then California. And I'm stuck in the middle of the U.S., but it's a great place to be stuck. It's beautiful. (laughs) And so what what made you go to Africa? I was a missionary kid. So we traveled a lot on the East Coast when we lived here. And then we went to Canada because my parents went to language school to learn French. We were in Quebec. And then... Went to Africa from age 11 to 18. So if it happened in the 90s, I don't know about it because I literally wasn't here. (laughs) Wow, that's crazy. So out of all the places you've lived, U.S. or not, what's your favorite? You know, I've had that question before. I think now it's not even like a country anymore. Like everywhere you live is going to have its pros and its cons. Right. You got like the culture or the food or the busyness, whatever it is. The first place I actually felt home, which seems really odd, was California. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because it's the first place I started establishing friends. I don't know if it's because I you have the mountains and the water. And when I moved there, I was like, oh, I get why people move here. I know why this place is overpopulated. It's beautiful. (laughs) But I I like all the places because, again, there's benefits 
and cons to all of it. So, I mean, as you know, I lived in California for a couple of years and I, I totally got that vibe. I, I was only, you know, I had lived in Colorado my whole life and being out there for just a month. And I felt like that's where I've been my whole entire life. It's crazy how that state just literally sucks you in. And if it's where you want to be, you know, if it has something to huh? do with what you want, it just sucks you in and like makes you feel like you've been there the whole time it's crazy california is awesome though i love it yeah it's a good place people are like it's yeah. the traffic i'm like but you have the mountains and the ocean like and if you want to visit the snow it's right there and then you go home and you don't have to live with it <laughs> exactly uh, palm trees are my favorite i love palm trees oh yeah so okay so let's start off with your work Please explain to all the listeners what it is that you do for a living. Um, that and I mean, I'll tell you, I found it so interesting, and um, there's no way I could ever explain it. So, in the best way, the best way for uh, everybody to understand, what would you say you do for a living? You know, it. Nobody knows what I do for a long time. Even my mom didn't know what I was, did. She's like, I think she does. <laughs> Um, okay, so my technical title is Board Certified Behavior Analyst. It's abbreviated BCBA. And I look at patterns of what people or systems or individuals are doing, and we look at changing that. Now, as a behavior analyst, I have developed something no one else is doing in behavioral coaching. And what I do is provide for parents who have children who may or may not be on the spectrum. They're looking for services and they're looking for answers. And while they're waiting and looking for that, I provide subscription-based services that are one-on-one where you can just have a call or you have a couple sessions a month where you as a parent get the supports you need to empower you to give the tools and and teach your child in a way that you can create those memories for long-term. Where do you learn something like that? Like, how do you develop? <laughs> well, it's how do not you develop? With <laughs> right? How do you um, develop those skills? You know, like I mean, and you're young. I mean, you're. I believe you're younger than me, if I remember correctly. I'm I actually. Mean, I'll tell my age. I'm not. I'm. I'm a proud of it because people can't guess it. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually 38. And I've had I've had weird looks in Zooms when I've had like sessions and networking. They're like, "Wait, you've done you've done all this? How old are you? You're not like 25." I'm like, "No, no, no, I'm older than 25." So yeah, 38. So I've been around the block a little bit. Um, when I finished school, I knew I wanted to work with kids, and I had a counseling degree. <laughs> I didn't know going through undergrad that uh, if you get counseling or anything in psychology, you got to go get a master's afterwards. I didn't know mm-hmm. that till I almost had the degree, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, chunk! I gotta get a master's." Um, so I was kind of floating around after school and then somebody says, Hey, I, I just got this job randomly, a random interview. She's like, I met with this guy with blue eyes. I'm like, okay. Um, (laughs) and she's like, I work with this new company where we are working with children with autism and it's called ABA applied behavior analysis. That is the most well-known branch of behavior analysis. And there's a lot of reasons why. But it's not the only thing in behavior analysis. So I started working with children one-on-one in 2007 before they even had all the different levels because in my field we have three, three credentialing levels. So if you're at the bottom, you're this level, and then there's like a mid-level and another one. 
There is a, a doctorate level, but the only thing special is you get a D on it, and it's only there because the doctorate people are like, we don't have a fancy title. <laughs> like, doesn't You just have a specialty in a way. Um, but to get into it, most people will do it with children with autism or children on the spectrum because that has exploded around, I forget if it's 2013, 2015, Insurance started paying for behavioral services and investors realized they could make money off of it. So it exploded. They needed the services, but that's where the breaks in the system came from. And that's what I'm feeling in the gaps. And do you need some sort of, or I'm sorry, not need, but is there, is it a kind of like a straight platform or is it a case by case scenario? Like everybody Obviously, their children's going to act differently. It's not going to be the same, but do you use the same structure for every case, or is it is it different? Well, you have to have systems in a way because that's the only way that like a company and things can work. But there are there systems, so you have to do assessments because you have to figure out where the kid is at. And I look at it as your child actually doesn't need the diagnosis in order to have services. Because as humans, we all have strengths and weaknesses. And all we look at is where your kid's strengths or weaknesses compared to where they should be neurolog yeah, in their neurodevelopment, right? And that'll mm -hmm. exhibit itself in their actions. How much are they talking? Uh, are they potty trained at age four or five, six, right? Like all these basic things. So you do an assessment once you get in to get a consult because it's that wait list that is the killer because you could wait for a year just to get services. It's crazy. So once you get it, you get an assessment and then the BCBA, which would be my role, would create a plan and you have behaviors to reduce and skills to teach because the only way behavior or your habits can change is you replace the old with a new one and that includes reinforcement and then you have to know what to do. Well, they're still going to do the problem behavior sometimes. So what do you do when it does happen before they learn the new stuff? Um, so you will usually have similarities in like the plan format, but it is individualized case by case because I have different kids that learn different ways. Uh, you'll see things called splintered skills, meaning they're really good in some areas and really low in others. You'll see where it looks like there's gaps in between. You're like, why are they not learning? It's because they didn't learn skill way down here and we accidentally skipped it or something like that. So you'll have a BCBA, you will have what's called registered behavior technicians. Those are your therapists that come to your house or you go to the clinic or wherever you get the services and your child will see them anywhere from 10 to 40 hours a week to get that therapy. So, and I would make the plan and change the plan and make it work. When you are meeting with people, are you meeting them face to face? Or are you doing it all remotely? What I'm doing now is going to be remote. If they happen to be local, let's make it work. But I am not dealing with insurance also. I'm not dealing with insurance, so I don't have that. I'm not dealing with Medicaid. I don't have anybody else's rules because not all those rules actually help people. Like there's this one rule where they say, oh, the parents receiving the parent coaching are supposed to have three goals. Well, I, I can't handle three goals. I'm not going to ask somebody else to handle it. So I do the behavioral coaching with minimized paperwork and I meet them where they're at. So it can be via Zoom because it's, it's cash-based instead of insurance, so I don't have anybody's rules because some insurances allow telehealth and some don't. My credentials, when I do services and oversee staff, there's not a requirement of in-person versus telehealth because as long as you can see it, it's behavior. Huh. That's, that's crazy. And what makes you, or I guess what made you really 
think about this profession? Like, what made you get into this profession? Well, I happened into the job. Five months after I started the job, actually, I quit because I was driving all over town and I had a car that got 11 miles to the gallon. I was like, I'm spending more on gas than is coming on an income. And so I left and I went to some sales gig with leasing apartments. And after another five months, I was like, forget this. I'm going back. I don't care how much money I'm making. I don't care. So I went back and that was like, what, 2008? And... What got me stuck in the field was I had a kiddo, one of my first kiddos, and we connected, but he, he was like five years old. He had a lot speech three times. And one day we're sitting on the couch and we're doing language and we're reading a book and suddenly he copied a vowel sound. And then mom comes in the room and his face is lighting up. And when you see someone realize something they did, like in that light bulb, that makes everything worth it. Like we can have tantrums, we can have, like they can bite, kick, I don't care what they do because they don't know how to express their needs. And when you have problem behavior, we call them problem behaviors because we're like, they're harming themselves, property around them, uh, life, limb, or property, and then it's inhibiting their daily functioning. Call them problem behaviors, but basically humans have needs. If they can't mm -hmm. express it in a way that we all understand, it's going to be problems, right? So... That's what stuck. And then over the years, a couple years later, I stopped working with him. I knew we were buddies after this happened. Like, we're buddies for life. <laughs> but um, he saw me out a window at the clinic. We hadn't seen each other for a long time. And he learned to talk with picture exchange. And we used to play hide and seek. He'd put hide on there and he'd hand it to me and I'd say hide and I'd chase him and he like lights up and like we're running. We're just having a great time. And he's learning to talk while he's playing. And a lot of people think applied behavior analysis or ABA is sit at a table, giving cards. No, kids need to play and move. And it depends on what their joy is for how they're going to learn. And that's what you got to tap into. And so he saw me out the window and he goes to his, his little book with all his pictures and um, apparently my picture was still in there. And he made a whole sentence about something like, uh, I want to see Hannah. And he gives it to his therapist. And then he walks down the hallway. And he's just waiting like this. Like, so excited. <laughs> and, like, he would have never been able to communicate something like that. Because he didn't, he couldn't express it. But he had the cognitive abilities and all these to, to have wants and needs. But that, seeing that light bulb come on. That's, that's the whole point of why I like doing it, whether it's a parent, because even the other day I was like, okay, so how are things going? And she goes, yeah, my daughter's not doing anything she was doing before. This is after like three sessions across three weeks. It's like, what? Oh. She's not doing it anymore? She goes, you know, because we do this thing where you have to figure out the why, the why factor. There's four why factors of why we do what we do. She goes, you know, once I realized why she was doing it, it all makes sense. And she's like, we tried some of those things that you said to do. And these were just strategies to avoid the problem behavior because we would be giving her her needs were met. What the, the behavior was more of like interrupting. So not like a massive, you know, disruption, but like when it's all day, every day, you're like, oh, um, I have this thing called don't get off the couch where you make up a dumb rule. Like you can't get off the couch, right? Because kids like breaking rules because you got to make a dumb rule. Don't get off the couch. And you turn around and pretend to walk away. And then your kids get off the couch, obviously, because they think this is great. And then you chase them and throw them back on the couch. I have not met a little kid that does not like that game. I've had kids where I nannied all day. They would try to follow the rules just to get that game at the end of the day. But she did it with her kids. They love the game. And then there's another thing where we talked about, talk about your good thing and bad thing throughout the day. 
at the dinner table or in the evening. Her kids loved that. And she's like, we, we don't have the problem anymore. And w my kids love what we're doing. And it was in like three sessions. And she, the whole point was she realized why. And everything boils down to why we do what we do. And if you can figure out why someone's doing something, only then can you actually problem solve because you can't replace it. You can't avoid it because you don't actually know the core root of it. And what do you do in a case where a parent comes to you, says their child is always angry and they are to the point where they are just disobeying and don't care who they hurt and basically they, they're causing trouble in school. Like how do you start off with that? How do you, that scenario? That's a lot of pieces, <laughs> right. uh, but no, and, you're right. I'm like, do you know somebody that's happening to <laughs> this based off a real story? <laughs> um, no, um, I want to figure out why they're doing it. So what I often have people do, the, the technical term is a functional behavioral uh, assessment. My brain shut down for a second there. I'm like, I know what I'm talking about. We call it an FBA. And what it is is you figure out the antecedent, which is what happens before a behavior. You figure out the topography of the behavior, meaning the actual actions that you hear, see, all of that that actually is happening. And then you write down everything that happens after what you say, the results, were things broken, did they run away. Um, once I have multiple information in that format, I look at the pattern. The pattern will show me the why factor. And you got the four. You have attention, so you need a social interaction. You have escape or avoidance. You have sensory. And then you have uh, tangible. You want something. The pattern will show me which one it is. Now, it could just be one or it could be all four, depending on the situation. And I can tell by what's happening before and what's happening after why the behavior is continuing. Now, you listed different behaviors. So I would then also backtrack before I have anyone write anything down. I would ask them what your, depending on how much treatment time I have with them, I might say your top or one or your top three because I'm not going to write eight behavior plans because that means you got to remember eight different things based on the context and you got to respond or be proactive accordingly. That's too much. And um, like I have somebody right now, I, I have eight behaviors that we're tracking, but I'm doing this just to figure out how they happen in a group. Like sometimes you'll have, like your kid will start yelling and stomping and then they'll throw things. They all happen back to back. So I'll group them into a cluster. Now you could have behaviors happening in one location and not in the other. And there's behavioral effects as to why that happens. So having information across locations like schools or separate homes, if they have two homes, or if they go to grandparents' house, right, things could be happening. So figure out why. Figure out what we're actually targeting. The other thing I look at is where is your kid developmentally? Now, if they're like 11, they should know a lot more about what's going on. It's not like a two-year-old, right? Mm -hmm. So I would bring my, the 11-year-old into the whole situation because they should have a say on what's going on. I actually had one of the most amazing turnaround in behaviors. I wasn't even the BCBA on this case. This was years ago. And the child was having problems at home, but not at school. And so we talked with her. We're like, she was like six. What's going on? Why are you not having problems at school? She basically came up with her own behavior plan at home 
they copied school. We've never seen results like that. She tested, she tested a little bit once we put in the plan. And then um, the parent didn't like the plan, so we had to pull it because we can't have a plan the parent doesn't like. But her behavior stayed down. It was that effective. She, she had, we had buy-in. So as far as what to do, I figure out the why factor, figure out skills. Um, I have noticed, let's say you had therapy when your child was younger and then they quote-unquote graduated. That basically means we have nothing else to teach your child. They're... Um, uh, compared to the neurotypical kids, it, it matches. So there's nothing else we can do. But several years later, they're having emotional difficulties. And that has to do with the cognitive and executive functioning, meaning your self-control and your perspective of things around you. They have deficits in those areas, but I don't think you need full-fledged treatment for that. You just need strategies as a parent to help your kid or your kid can receive some services on things like that. So it depends on the age, it depends on the skill set, uh, but the behavioral Y factors usually stay about the same. Do you find that a lot of the cases are mainly reflected off a person's parenting when it comes no. to, no, really? Mm -mm. So, we'll, I mean, without getting too personal on, on people's cases, how do, like, what is the most common result that you find is the reason behind a kid's behavior? It honestly, it's a combination. That whole back in school, they talk about nature versus nurture. I think it's that combination. You also have, so you could have, these are variables that you would want to take into account and why I like to look at like how many pieces, make sure that I have all the pieces and I'm not missing anything. Behaviorally, I'm looking at habits, but I step back. I do things a little bit differently than most behaviorists. <laughs> I try to learn what I've learned through life also. So it can be the parent. For example, I, I'll use my life. I don't, I don't care. I'm not, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I have an eight-year-old and a two-year-old, and my eight-year-old comes home and has all these behaviors, and then she's not having them at school, she's not having them at her dad's house, and one day she came to, to home, and I was like, girl, I was like, I just feel this, this anger, what's going on? And she's like, I don't like being here. I said, well, why don't you like being here? She's like, I don't like to learn, I always have to, I have to learn, and I have to clean my room. So the fact that I have higher expectations, I have more problem behaviors. So she, what, do you, what do you mean she was saying, I have to learn? Learn at your household? Homework. Oh. Life skills. I'm like, oh, you want toast? Sure. I can't do it right now. You can go and do it. And she goes, so I don't dad know how. I said, I'll, I'll teach you. <laughs> yeah. So dad doesn't make her do homework then? Not as much. Okay. So... In that case, it reflects on her schooling then as well. Yes. So you, you probably see, and teachers probably see, a huge difference and know when she's with mom and when she's with dad. Yep. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. So we have a similar, I guess, um, situation where my stepson he doesn't have the responsibilities as his at his dad's house like he does here at our house and we also see it reflect and the teachers this is the whole reason i brought it up the teachers actually tell us okay 
we know when he's with you guys and when he's with his dad. And Mm -hmm. it's just, you know, in his dad's eyes, okay, you're 10 years old, but this has been going on for years. Let's just, but for right now he's 10 and he's like, you're 10 years old. I shouldn't have to tell you when to do your homework. You should know when to do your homework. Well, when he's with us, that's the first thing we ask when he gets home from school. Do you have homework? Let's get it done. And then sometimes he wants to procrastinate. No, can I do it later? Or can I watch one show? Or And sometimes we'll be a little lenient on there, but he, on that situation, but he still needs to get it done within the day, you know, with the, before going to bed. We're at his dad's house. He tells him one time, like, hey, you know, if you have homework, get it done. But if that that's if he even brings it up. But then after that, he just leaves it alone. If he knows he didn't do it, it's like, well, you're, you're old enough to know you should have done it. And I don't really think it's it's right nor fair for this child to be bouncing back and forth to two different scenarios. Because, one, he's not going to know the right from wrong. He's always going to want mom to be right, and he's always going to want dad to be right. So he's not going to know who who's actually trying to help him and who's not. Secondly, it's 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 a lose lose for us because no matter what, it seems like we're the bad guys. We're making him do work. We're making him do homework. We're making him, you know, it's like we're force we're enforcing it. So we're the bad guys no matter what. And Dad, he he's the cool one because he doesn't make him do all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So yep. that's why I brought this up. No, that matches like with the house that I, with my house. And I didn't realize this until I got in the situation of having two houses with your kid. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not on the nice list. <laughs> there, there's a list apparently and I'm not on it. And for a while I'm like, Oh, what's wrong? And then I was, a, I was like, wait, cause she go, she, she pulled this card one day. She's like, you know, you, you could get on the nice list. And I was like, you know, what I would have to do to get on the nice list, I wouldn't be a good mom. So I don't care if I'm on the nice list. Well, that list hasn't been brought up again. <laughs> um, and when you're competing, when your house has more rules or more structure or more that your child is angry about, you, obviously you want to acknowledge their anger and help them process and, and, and let them know why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, and um, we, we talk about stuff like that in my house all the time. But if they see more bad, you want to try to find more ways to add good moments. Because like I tell my daughter, the one thing you take through life are your memories. You can't take pictures like you can, but you could lose them. And as long as your memory's working, obviously you take memories. And I want to make good memories. But when she comes home and she's all pissed off from the minute she gets in the car, I'm just like, oh my word, okay, here we go. <laughs> um, <sighs> I, this is what I did. I have, uh, so my best friend is the most amazing teacher ever. She would tutor my daughter and do the homework. So I didn't have to have that fight. Hmm. That helped because she loved, (laughs) she loves Aaron. She's like her favorite teacher ever. (laughs) And during COVID, I lived with my friends with Aaron and, um, she actually taught my daughter to read basically. 
So during COVID. So she has magic touch with children. And so I'll let the, my younger one play with her younger ones. They get a little social play date because, you know, with COVID and all that, don't get enough social time. Then Adiel, my daughter, gets to be with her favorite teacher. And I don't have the fight. So I removed that variable completely. And then that allowed me other time to focus on positives. And then I'll set up different things, like different games. Like she likes to argue. She literally just loves the debate. I am not of the personality type to debate. If I know I can't convince you, I'm not going to sit there and argue for fun. I'm like, and I'll laugh. And apparently that doesn't show people how pissed off I am. <laughs> but I'm laughing because I'm like, this is the dumbest thing. Why are we talking about this? Um, she loves to argue. So I'm, we'll have mock debates about ridiculous things. Like why should we have broccoli versus pancakes for breakfast? And we'll have a debate time. And then she'll be like, it'll be seven in the morning. Can we do debate? I'm like, not a seven in the morning, girl. I just, I'm, I'm not awake enough. And so that gives her an outlet to, ar to argue, to give her that she likes that confrontation and things, right? So when you figure out what, her, what your kid's needs are, is he, does he love to argue and you guys don't? Is he, this is another thing I took into consideration recently with in cases, are they an introvert versus extrovert? What do they need that's different than you that maybe you're not connecting with? If you can find and meet their needs, the problem behaviors go away because they're so, they're already, like, they're content. And for some reason, the nice list with my daughter, me being upset about not being on it or people being upset, because she even put it in her binder and the school saw it and they were talking to her about why is your mom not on, you know, on the mean list or whatever. And she's like, I told my mom, which is true. She didn't tell me. <laughs> she's telling the whole school. And they're like, she's not on the nice list. I'm like, it's fine. <laughs> um, but once that wasn't a big deal, I wasn't reacting. She wasn't get the social reaction from that. And once the homework fight was no longer and it was carried over to a more favorite person related to school and like we had different things put into place, things have been different. And I also started responding differently and not allowing, like, when your kid comes in angry, I don't know about you, but, like, I feel it and I get really frustrated. And I finally did what I do actually behaviorally. I just hadn't really brought it home. And I'm like, forget it. I'm going to have a nice day. So she gets in the car towards the end of school year this year. And I can, all of a sudden, she's, like, whining and, like, all upset. And I'm like, I don't know what happened in school. She doesn't want, she's not, a, like, a talker when she gets in, doesn't really want to talk stuff up. I just turn the music. I said, I'm going to have a great time. We're going to listen to music, and you can complain all you want. But I just turn the music up because as a parent, if you don't have the headspace to parent how you want to parent, you can't do what you want to do. You can't have the impact on your kid that you want to have long term. So protecting yourself is protecting and helping your child. So that's what I was doing because single parenting is hard. Mm -hmm. Parenting anyways is hard. And then the parents I work with, you have their children are younger in their head is the probably the, the best way to describe when you have developmental delays. It's like they're a bigger body, but they're just, they don't understand the world as an older person, but they understand the world as a younger person. And there's a lot of different things you have to do to help them understand. And when they understand or when they get the supports they need, the problem behaviors go away. It does take time. And it takes willpower as a parent to be like, okay, this is what I don't want to happen anymore. Like my daughter was saying sorry a gazillion times all the time. Oh, sorry, sorry. I'm like, I don't want this to be a habit. Like I had that habit. How do we change this habit? I said, you can have three sorries a day. I don't care when you use them, three. End of story. 
And then she'll be like, oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, I just said it twice. Sorry. That was the third time. And I was like, yep, you used them up. That was it. And so it actually reduced it, but it gave an opportunity to talk about if she said it again, I was like, well, what could you say instead? You already used them up. What can you do instead? And it wasn't as horrible as every time she say sorry, then I say stop. But she already said it. So like it, it wasn't working that way. So setting parameters and expectations, collaborating even with your kid to give them a say and like how they want the structure, um, that's helpful too. They have ideas. There's a lot of different things you can do to compete with your house having more rules. It just means you need to up your fun, up your collaboration, up your understanding, up your connection with your kid so that down the road they understand it. Tick-tocking, a tick-tocking, tick-tocking with Kevin Hughes. Well, and one thing I have learned along the way with the whole Brady Bunch that, that I have <laughs> <laughs> is, you know, a child reacts on a parent's reaction. So mm-hmm. if... As a parent, if you've told them to stop fighting 10 times, you're going to start to get frustrated. And the more frustrated you get and the anger that's built up in your voice, the more they react in a negative way. If Mm -hmm. you can try to stay calm, and trust me, that's hard. It's harder than it sounds to stay calm. Mm -hmm. But if you can actually do that and try and figure out what it is they're trying to I guess, say, like, what what are they trying to do? Why are they acting the way they are? Why are they picking on sister? Why are they picking on brother? If you can figure that out, the child can actually understand that a little bit better and reflect in a better way from that conversation, whether then you're grounded, no tablet today, you're not playing with friends, you know, just yelling because – at least with my experience, that's what I have learned. Yelling has never been the way to go. Uh, sometimes as a parent, you're going to get frustrated. Mm-hmm. You're going to sometimes yell. Mm-hmm. But I think the best way to bounce back from that anger is to try to find a calm way to have that discussion with your kids and see if that is a better scenario for them. And most likely it will be, at least that's in my case, you know. Yeah, and when you're describing like yelling and taking things away and grounding and all those different things that we do, here's the thing. Technically, the behavior is continuing because reinforcement followed it. Even though you didn't know you reinforced it, you did by accident. So here's an example. If they start arguing with sibling while mom, dad, whoever is in the other room, And let's say mom, dad always comes running or yelling, whatever the reaction is, every single time it happens and that's the pattern, you're reinforcing it because likely the why factor is attention from mom or dad. So just by yelling, you're maintaining the problem behavior. However, if they stop arguing when you're yelling, your yelling is actually reinforced because you instantly got them to stop in the moment, but their behavior is reinforced. So it's, it's, that's why it's continuing. So reinforcement is, so when, when I use the word, I'm using it the behavioral technical sense. Technically, it's anything that follows a behavior. 
that makes it more likely to happen again. Meaning you yelled, which is you did something, like something happened, you yelled, and you yelled, and then they do it again, it means that yelling was a reinforcer. Now, your strategies to stop them from fighting have to connect to the why factor. Now, yelling, if yelling is continuing their bickering or fighting or whatever, then the why factor is likely attention. Meaning, every time you go in, you're giving reinforcements, so you have to do the opposite. We call it extinction. You have to, basically don't give them what they want. So you wouldn't run it, like if they're safe, let them yell it out. <laughs> Get your yeah. headphones. <laughs> You're like, you go work it out. Go learn some problem solving. You're going to have problems as an adult on LinkedIn and all over the place. <laughs> um, so taking stuff away only works if the Y factor is tangible because they wanted something, so now they lose it. Often that doesn't work because it's not tangible. This is the highest reinforcer. One of the highest reinforcements for children is adult attention, either negative or positive. It doesn't matter what kind. It's literally just a reaction from an adult. So, and then timeout doesn't work because the only way it would work is if they are losing out on something. So let's say, like I have a lot of people be like, oh, we can't do a play date. My kids are just, they're being terrible and they're grounded and I told them they can't have a play date. We can't do the pool, whatever it is, right? Because you feel accomplished as a parent. We're putting it foot down. <laughs> well, you kind of ruined yourself too. Because if you wanted to go to the pool, you don't get to go either. And you didn't do anything wrong. Um, so I would say if they really want the pool and they're arguing over their toys or whatever it was, just go to the pool and they have to sit next to it and they get to see that they lost out. Because then you okay. get to go to the pool and then, um, and I know another BCBA that did this, his kids wouldn't, they were fighting or they wouldn't there clean the room or something. He had like three kids and, and they remember this to this day. They're like, remember that day when we wouldn't clean our room and we went to the park and we had to just sit there on the side. Like they remembered it. And sometimes you need those learning opportunities. Like my daughter was yelling. I told her to go lock the car doors and she was pissed that she had forgotten. I was like, well, I told you to lock the doors. You're eight. You should lock the doors in the car. And she's all upset and she slams the door. Um, honestly, and I don't usually recommend this to anybody else. <laughs> this is what I did. I locked the door. So when she came back to the door, I said, are you done yelling? Because I'm actually also concerned for the safety of my two-year-old and me. Because mm -hmm. she's like up to my shoulder height. You can't act like that. You can't throw things. She was so upset. But... She hasn't done it again. And I was like, if you want to be near me and talk to me, you cannot come into this house, which should be a safe space. You need to come in with appropriate ways to talk to people. So she didn't get access with her. I found out her problem behaviors are a subcategory of attention, meaning I have to be in the room. If I am in the room, she will continue to engage in the argumentative behavior. If I go in the bathroom and lock the door, to give myself a moment while she yells, she will, she, she stops because I'm not there. Well, and I feel like that it, and this may be crazy and it, but when going back to, you know, say the pool scenario, they wanted to go swimming and they were misbehaving. So you take them, but they have to sit and watch everybody. That's almost like a bigger punishment for me. Because then I have to see my child over there so oh. sad. And, 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 it, uh -huh. and mentally, I'm just like, man, I am an asshole. 
Like I'm making my kids, <laughs> like I know, like I know they don't want to just be sitting there. So th- I think a lot of parents are the same way, and especially in today's day, in the day and age, it's the kids have control over the parents more than the parents have control of the kids. You know, thirty years ago, that wouldn't have been an issue. They'd been like, oh well, that kid was, you know, he, he was being a little jerk at home, so he's gonna sit there and he's gonna watch, and I'm gonna love every second of it. Well, now that's not the case, and as a parent, at least most parents that I know, they they would just feel awful for making their kid miss out on the fun because of one one thing they did at home. But going back to what you were saying, that just re, like it reengages that their behavior is actually okay and it was accepted instead of being punished for that reason. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. Yeah, and you're talking about the the parent. You as a parent, I think the biggest difficulty is figuring out. Like for me, I'm like you. You treated people wrong, but it took me a while to get to that headspace. Like the whole when I locked the door, I've only done that once, and I let her in, and she was safe. Like I could see her. <laughs> it was all it was all um, covered, but it took me. I needed a why. Mm-hmm. Her habits. I found out at school and at home, they were just very disrespectful. And I'm like, I'm raising a human who's going to treat people like this in the world when she grows up. And that's not okay. Right. I want her to live a full life, a happy life, enjoy her interactions, and people to be enjoy being around her and her to be a blessing to people around her. But you can't do that if you yell at people. Even if it's just your mom, and she's told me I'm the only person she yells at. So I'm chosen. <laughs> like, right. um, I had to get I had to get a why, and I had to get in the headspace, and I needed ideas on how to do it because sometimes you get stuck in your own head, and yeah, I got ideas from someone about how to not be emotionally affected and how to be okay with my child being upset, and them being upset, they're gonna only be upset a little bit. But I was talking with someone even today. We don't like boundaries from other people. We really don't. When mm-hmm. someone like tells us no somehow or they can't or something, inside it, you're like, ugh. But we respect that person. Because we know that what they say, it goes. End of story. Good or bad. So when you're a parent and you do start setting those boundaries, it will be hard. Like, I still remember I had someone, I was consulting a parent, they had an 11-year-old, and she always screamed for food in the store. You know, they put, like, all the snacks right there when you're checking out. (laughs) It's the worst spot to be with your kids in the whole store. (laughs) And she would scream for it. And we went through the whole plan, and part of it is if somebody wants it, you don't give it to them. That means they're going to scream. As a parent, would she, as a as a mom, would she want to let her kids scream in public when people are watching? We're so concerned with the public's view of us parenting, we don't think about how we're actually teaching our children or what we're teaching them. Right. So this mom comes back and is like, hey, I just let her cry it out. And so over time, her child didn't do it anymore because she didn't get what she wanted just to be appeased. And kids know our buttons. They know, oh, if I, do, if I work this, 
Uh, I'm going to get it out. I'm eventually going to get it. And I know if I go to level five, I'll get it. So I'm going to skip one, two, and three, four. We're just going to go to five. I know I'll get it. We're just going to shoot there. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they know. They're smart. And they might not be talking about it or, like, physically processing it. But humans catch on to things in unexplained ways. And humans get their needs met. One way or another, they will, if they want some sort of treat, they will find a way. Whether it's saying, oh, it's so-and-so's house, I get this, right? They might, like, make statements to make you feel bad that you don't have it in your house or, you know, you're doing things differently. And you just have to look at what you are doing and what your values are, what are your whys, and which mountains do you want to die on? <laughs> you, we can't, like, pick all the battles. I know one time I picked too many things at once. I was working on avoiding co-sleeping potty training and getting my daughter to stop whining or something like that all at the same time don't do that that's a really <laughs> bad idea <laughs> so pick one mountain that you're ready to die on and go all the way because if you pick a bunch of hills and you're jumping from hill to hill of like of your problems you're not going to be successful it's the same way in business you got to like hone in whether uh, fitness right if you like bounced around for like two seconds on all the machines would you get any i don't, I don't know what would happen <laughs> You would just get tired, but you, you wouldn't actually, <laughs> that, that's the thing, you actually wouldn't be uh, making your goal happen, you know, you're not going to be building the muscle, you're not going to, but yeah, that does be on <laughs> I just had to answer it. <laughs> no, I um, like that, I, I really hadn't thought that far. <laughs> and I love how you relate different scenarios and give uh, your insight in a minute's time on your TikTok, that's kind of what your TikTok is based on. It, it's, it's you know, I'm assuming it's a, a question that you've had in the past from another parent, and you basically post that question and answer it and allow other people who may have that same scenario going on at home and give them a quick answer to try to help them. And um, I think it's it's really catching people's eyes as far as because a lot of people don't want to talk to um, they don't want to get help they don't want to talk to somebody on how to parent because everybody wants to believe that they once they have a child they are instantly you know a, a parent that knows it all you know what I mean and I think we it's don't hard for us <laughs> and that's yeah that's it you know and I, I think what you're doing on your TikTok is is actually going to really help a lot of people and I think it's important for people to go to your page because there's a lot of scenarios that parents are going through that they're not realizing are actually making their child's behavior worse or unaware of their child's behavior until they hear someone else speak about it. Yeah, no, and thank you. Yeah, they, they all keep ending up being about a minute and that's... I talk too much. <laughs> no. So I'm like, how can I keep it shorter and shorter? I'm like, can I get it less than a minute? And is there music that's going to match it if it's like a minute and five? Like, how do I cut it down? Um, I'm working on that, like less words. Uh, because, yeah, the, we want things fast now. And, yes, the, the TikTok is kind of morphing because I got on there not knowing what the heck I'm doing. I was one of those that didn't even want to watch TikTok. Like, my, I have a friend that would send me TikTok. She was so excited when I got on it. She's like, we're going to be friends now on TikTok. Um, <laughs> but it's kind of morphed because, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, you know, none of, none of us really know. We just don't want to tell people. Like, you're right. People don't want to ask for help. And we think we know. But all we have to do is ask. But, right. yes, TikTok 
is ideally it'll talk about the podcast because I try to put like what episode it is in case it's something interesting or some of it is actually my own life and I'm realizing oh another another parent might not know this like my kiddo is now in speech um, and I didn't realize that other parents don't know the milestones to look for and so I was talking about how if your child is born in 2020 that they might have speech delays because they're just not around people they don't have people to copy. So what do you look for if they are delays? What should it be? And yes, I try to keep it in a minute because I don't want to take everybody's time. And the per it'll, it kind of matches the podcast. Sometimes it's just like what's happening in life because we all, life throws so much stinking mud. <laughs> right. And life is 10% happens to us and we get to choose the 90% and we can either keep it bad or we can flip it and make it really good. And it's all on your perspective and your whys. But yes, the TikTok ideally is to engage with people, to be a present because often you can't even find BCBAs to talk to. Like you're on wait list for like almost a year and all of a sudden you get one, you know, and that's what it is. And I want it to be accessible, but I also want to make behavior science make sense to everyday life because people think, oh, it has to do with autism. No, it has to do with humans. Like, we all behave, right? <laughs> There's a joke in the field that, it, like, if a dead man can do it, it's not a behavior. We're all alive and we're all human. <laughs> well, behaviors don't have to be human, but, you know. Um, but, yes, the one minute, and I, I always transfer it over to Instagram and Facebook because not everyone does TikTok, you know. So try to have all that available to provide, to just be a resource, to answer questions, and if I have questions, I try to answer and I'll put it in my podcast too. And I try to connect the TikTok with the podcast. Uh, but TikTok, you know, you're supposed to do like more than you do your podcast. So what, three a day? And no, I don't usually do three a day. I'm, I'm, I'm still momming and working and <laughs> doing all that. So that's a habit I haven't developed. But that's what it's for. It's just to be a resource and whatever questions or whatever age. And I don't, I, my TikTok so far hasn't been just to parents. That's, I am learning that in business, because I did six months of I'm going to do it my own way, <laughs> then I realized you have to hone it in. So I'm transitioning more to parents, but I'm hoping that whether you're just an adult or, you know, living life, there will be some content that anybody can connect to. And that's the whole point. If there's anything in all the videos ever, just one little piece of information that will help you and empower you to live the life that you want to choose and do it and make it happen. That's the whole point. Well, and I, I was going to bring your podcast up next and basically your podcast is, uh, basically an, a longer version of your TikToks, correct? So you pick yes. a subject every week, you'll have a certain subject that you speak about and you can help parents try to narrow down a situation that may be going on at their household, correct? Correct. Now, historically, just like the TikTok, my topics have been varied. Like the first ones, we I talk about the behavioral why factors because if you don't know about those four, you're going to get lost in some of the other podcasts because you got to know why. And mm -hmm. yes, it's answering questions for what parents would need. That's where it's gearing towards, but like some of the other past topics like February I did the connection between the behavioral why factors and the love languages and how they're correlated I talked about one time I was like forget it this is what's happening in life and there's a phrase I use a lot and and still stealing it from someone else um, if you want something you've never had you've got to do things you've never done and I was like forget it this is what I'm doing and I talked about how 
you don't know what's going to happen when you put yourself out there. But it's that action that you have to do even though you're uncomfortable. And that connects actually to the escape why factor. We like to be comfortable. We, we want to avoid it. We want to be happy. And doing unpleasant things to move us forward in life, it's, we don't naturally do that because it's not fun. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. meet our basic needs of happiness. <laughs> but... Yes, they're a little bit all over, but this, um, and then in, I think it was March, I talked more about autism and has, and talked about ABA system of services and things like that, because there's a lot wrong with it because it exploded. And now we have a lot of people who are not behavior analysts running the system and they actually don't understand the services that they're providing. So it's, it's, it's going wonky. But in June, I started refocusing just to parents, but I think over time it's going to be two parents specifically, but it also should touch on life stuff in general too. And for the listeners, uh, can you tell them what the name of your podcast is and where they can find it? It's Sparrow, S-P-E-R-O, and they should be able to find it on Google, on the Google Play, and then on uh, Spotify as well, Spotify, right? Spotify, yes. Spotify and then Anchor and then I feel like it's somewhere else. Amazon somewhere. My brain all of a sudden is forgetting all the platforms. I've been having a problem getting out on Apple. Um, I, I may, so just for the whole finding me, the name might be changing, is likely changing just because I'm realizing people don't know what Sparrow means. <laughs> and just for explanation, it means hope in Latin. And the reason I chose it is because you can't change without hope. And the whole point is changing what you're doing, right? You don't want to stay in the insanity is doing things over and over and over and over. Why should we do that when there's an option to change? So the name is Sparrow and it, it, it'll probably just need to be morphed down the road a little bit to make sure people can still find it. That's awesome. I love that actually. So you should probably try to keep that and incorporate it somehow would just make it a little bit better for people to understand. But yeah, I love that. And what about your TikTok? How do uh, people find you on TikTok? It's Hannah.Sparrow. So okay. I kind of use it as my pen name. <laughs> a little bit okay. easier to say than my <laughs> real last name. <laughs> sure. And I have a lightning round, if that's cool, if we if you have time for that. Yeah, that works. I, I know about these. I've heard about these in your podcast. I've been very nervous about this because I don't have answers for some of them. <laughs> well, no. So get this. It's all different now. Every question what? is not the Don't, same. This is the no. first. I was ready, man. <laughs> this is the first episode where all the questions are brand new. Oh, junk. So, you would. Oh, no. Now I'm nervous. I feel like I'm about to lose a game and I don't like to lose. Okay, no, I'm ready. And, and, and look, <laughs> luckily for you, none of them have to do with movies because I know you're not a big movie person. Oh, so. oh that's lovely. I don't have a favorite movie. And I was like, oh, junk. It's like the other day, someone's like, what do you do to relax? And I was like, I was stumped. I was like wandering the house because I was really tired. and I should have just gone to bed. And I was like, wait a minute. I don't relax. I have nothing to do to relax. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. So first question, if you won the lottery, what would be your first purchase? Purchase? You want to know what I would buy? What's the first thing you would buy if you won the lottery? A 50-foot boat, monohole. Not sure which kind I'd want, though. Newer version would be better. Interesting. Even if you were here in Colorado? 
I would find a way to have a boat, man. I would turn it into an Airbnb and then it still make money. You said that's purchase. True. I would yes. actually invest it, but you said purchase. So that's okay. Yes. Because my goal originally was to live on a boat because here's the thing about a sailboat. You can go anywhere in the world. Why not? That is true. Huh. Okay. <laughs> and most of the places I want to go have water. So I'm like, okay, I just happened to be in the middle of the U S with no option for that. So <laughs> I was looking at different marinas because I stayed in an Airbnb boat in Texas. And it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I could do this. I just need the boat and then the slip. <laughs> <laughs> I like that answer. That was good. Actually, you always go deep with everything. I love that. <laughs> We got to have a story. You got to understand why. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you had to live on an island for one year and, and can only bring three items, what would those three items be? Wait, I can bring my boat and then I don't have to stay on the island. <laughs> um, oh, shoot. I don't know. I have to stay there and I have to bring objects, not people. Correct. Hmm. I'm trying to think what I would need to create the environment that I want. I'd probably need a knife. Wait, it could, I could bring really big things. This, this could take a while. Like I'd probably end up building the whole city somehow. I don't know. <laughs> if it had to be basics, I need the knife and I need a way. I'd, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I need a knife. For some reason, I really feel like I need a knife. <laughs> so your mind, <laughs> your mind, just, you, autom you automatically go to survival mode. Yes, I'm in. I'm envisioning an empty island, and I don't know how I got there now. And like, did I come with the boat? Like, did it come with stuff on the boat, or did they drop me off? If they're dropping me off, like with nothing, and I can only wear it on me, or you wait? I didn't even think. Could it be like a resort somewhere? That would be fantastic. I wouldn't need many things. I wouldn't need to bring anything at all. Hmm. I'm thinking on... more like, um, oh, great. I was going to reference a movie, but you don't. <laughs> just a, a deserted the island. Cartoon? Just you. <laughs> just me. Just and, you. and it's like a tropical island. It's not the snow. Because if it's snow, Correct. I'm bringing everything thermal. Um, it's a tropical yeah, no, I need, I need like a big machete. I'm thinking I got to chop things down. And then I need something. I won't have anything metal, so I need a way to cook something because eventually I'll, I like coffee. I have to find a way to do that. Um, no, I'm, I'm very good at coming up with something from nothing. I know that. So I would survive. I'd be living in the trees. I could, I'm trying to think if I need rope. Lots of rope would be great probably. Cause I got to build things right. And you know, like tie the trees down and I'm not big enough to like carry big trees. So it'd have to be smaller. I don't know. What I, love how deep, I love how, <laughs> how deep in thought you are about this. You're like, Oh man, I, now I'm I gonna really, get off of this. I would bring a boat. That's the third one because then I don't have to stay on the Island. Why am I stuck on an Island? If I have a boat, well, I didn't say you were stuck. You had to live there for a year. Oh, that just sounds lovely, by the way. Can I just go now? <laughs> Let's do that now. Let's book the ticket, whatever you need. Okay. <laughs> How about what is your biggest pet peeve? Oh, I know what this is. When I can't find something. 
I don't carry a purse because you can't find anything in those dang things. I purge my house all the time because I can't find stuff. I don't like not finding stuff. I don't like so being very, late, but yeah. So you're very organized, I, no. I'm assuming, at your house? No. It's called I throw it away so I don't have to organize <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I have I have antecedent modifications. I use the behavioral stuff with myself. All my friends who are ADHD, they're like, or even people I just meet, they're like, excuse me, this might sound too personal, but do you have ADHD? I'm like, nope, haven't been diagnosed, but I am an honorary member because I have all the coping skills I need and the environment and all of that. Because like I used to lose my keys all the time or lock my keys in the car all the time. To this day, I'm terrified when I'm going to lock my keys in the car next because I used to all the time. But losing <laughs> the keys irks me. So when I moved into my new house, in my new place, I made a specific home and a specific hook to create a new habit. And now I almost always know where my keys are. One day I lost my keys for several days and I needed to go get tested for COVID. It was not a good time. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I do not. I don't care about traffic. I don't care about people acting out. But when I can't find something, yeah, let's not talk. Okay. And <laughs> if you knew you had 24 hours to live, what would you do in that 24 hours? I would go make memories with my kids. That they could take with them forever. Okay. What I would do? Yeah. I've already been doing my bucket list. I got to add to it. Like, I already jumped out of an airplane. Which is awesome, by the way. I'm jealous. It's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> I freaked out going out. He basically, like, picked me up and took me out. <laughs> he had for us. And my 18-year-old brother's next to me, and he's, like, wigging out because I started wigging out. It was great. Um, I would go make memories, and I would probably pick one thing. You said 24 hours? Uh, well, it depends on – no, it would be my kids. I'd probably pick uh, something at the top of my list, something at the top of my daughter's list, and my son was old enough, and something top of his, and find a way to do all three. And one day mm. to make that memory so that they could keep that. Because if I only had 24 hours, they'd still be here um, to make that. Because that's what you remember from people is, uh, for me at least, like spending time or making those experiences. People, why, why live life and look back and have your dreams come tell you, why didn't you bring us to life? Why didn't you make it happen? I like that. Okay, and I have one more for you, okay? You ready for this I know, one? I'm very nervous about these. I'm like, <laughs> they're new. <laughs> what was the worst date you ever experienced and why? The worst date? I was going to say it might be two. You might need two. Um, let's do a recent one. I went on a date with a guy, and we had sat down to eat, and we were talking. And I love to find out what people do because if you're spending 40 to 60 hours doing it, you probably or you should like what you do. And I mm -hmm. honestly just love to learn. And like maybe I'll learn something new about them or about their interests or a whole nother career field that I never knew about. Like I, I love that discovery of the new and finding these out. And this guy started like laughs, like smirky laugh. And I was like asking him about it. And he goes... Women always ask what a guy does to figure out how much money they make. 
That's what but he I said don't to ask, you? Mm-hmm. He actually mm. changed my behavior in dates now. Because now I'm afraid to have the guy pay for me. Because I don't know if they think that I'm on a date just to get free food. Uh, that yeah, it literally on the guy altered. Too. True, but like when you don't know the guy, like it's anyways. And I, yeah, so it's just still a weird thing for me now because I'm like, well, how many guys actually think that way? But yeah. yeah, after that, in my head, I'm like, nope, nope. You are very close-minded. You are not like thinking about what other people could think. I didn't even tell him what I do for a living. <laughs> I didn't want to tell him I'm a behavior analyst. <laughs> Yeah. Um, studying behavior over here. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> your words, because I can actually tell by people's words how um, open minded they are based on responses or things that they initiate what they say, just because that's what I pick up on. Um, to me, that was my worst date in the sense that I saw a very, to me, low quality person. Hmm. Um, because if you're smirking about that, sure, there probably are girls that do that. But to assume oh, that that's what all girls do, yeah, that's kind of assuming a lot about an entire gender. And I, I, I prefer to look at it as we all have different opinions and perspectives, but I don't like saying all of this gender, all of this race, all of this age, or even when people talk about autism, right? They're like, they're all like that. No, we're all wired differently. And you should be open-minded to realize that there's, we're all different and there's there's a few good people in the world still. <laughs> well, and that's why I brought up uh not all men you need to assume are going to think that you're only there for free food. True. So, true. Yeah. That's just something that I have to yes, I have to realize that. I get it. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Okay. Right. Okay, here we are. This is going to be awkward the rest of the night. <laughs> <laughs> because we cannot even be friends. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, Hannah, this has been so much fun. And I get to talk to you all the time. But this has been a truly different experience. Because I got to learn a little bit more about what you do. And I thank you so much for coming on and sharing. And I really hope this helps expand your business. And, and everything that you want. Because you deserve it. And I think what you're doing is great. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And I always love talking with you and your perspective and what you're doing with your podcast. Like it's, it's made a difference for me. Well, good. I'm glad. Well, once again, you know, I know we're going to talk some more and I'd love to have you on again at some point. And once you revamp that podcast <laughs> and really decide what you want to do, we're going to have a little chat and, and we're going to talk about it on here and make a full episode about it. Sound good? That sounds fantastic. Thank you. All right. Well, you have a great night and I will talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Tick-tocking, tick-tocking, tick-tocking with Kevin Hughes. How cool is Hannah? She's just so much fun to talk to. And like I said in the podcast, I get to talk to her all the time, but... Being on this level and strictly talking about what she does for a living, because, you know, when we're just talking and hanging out, it's just, you know, normal bullshit. But we actually got to get in and discuss what she does for a living. And it was really cool and very interesting. And I think a lot of people would benefit from it. So I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I know I loved it. It's always a joy talking to her. As always, next week, I'll have another fantastic guest for you right here on TikToking with me, Kevin Hughes. So if I don't see you, good.
Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.